This call is being recorded. Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson along with Jimmy Stein. As always, Jimmy, how are you today? Locked on. Locked on as per usual. Ready to go. No ramp today. I've got a confession to make before we go any further. So last night, um, Wednesday night, I was just at the house and um, I said, oh, you know, Jimmy, it's going to be hard for Jimmy to do the podcast tomorrow. And I know the Braves are playing. And while I cannot stand them or baseball in general, uh, Jimmy loves the Braves. And so, I, you know, maybe in case we can't cut a podcast, I'll just cut one by myself. And um, we that way I have one as a backup. I spent 35 minutes talking into this microphone with the recording on, not realizing that in Uber conference, if you don't have somebody you're talking to, it doesn't record it. I just thought I was recording. I mean, <laughs> and so I, because it said recording, the counter was on. And then I said, go to find the, you know, the recording or whatever the hell. And uh, nothing was there. So I, I, I might as well just go ahead and lay that confession out there. I've, I feel like I should. And it was it. probably no doubt your brightest observations. Oh, it, it was, was awesome. witty. It was witty. It was bright. You, it's probably, you probably could have won the first Pulitzer ever awarded for a podcast. Possibly. Are you still there? I uh, say that there. one more time. You, you probably won the, you probably would have won the first Pulitzer ever record, ever given for a podcast. If, if it had been heard by anyone in the world, you know, it reminds maybe it reminded it reminded me of that Jack Black. Uh, he's got a oh the Tenacious D. He's got a group that it, yeah. not a group is a two man yeah. thing I think, but where he does some is. parody songs and he had a song he had a song called a uh, uh, tribute and it was a tribute to the greatest song in the world which he sang the greatest song in the world and he was forced to sing it again and he was like okay oh God I don't remember the greatest song in the world so I'm just gonna sing a song that's a tribute to the greatest song in the world. That's what it reminds me of. That's what you did. That's what you did. No, uh, no. Getting uh, the recording done today went too tough. It's not necessarily the Braves. Uh, we're spending the weekend at the beach. Uh, I'm going to watch the Brave series at the beach. So we were we're in transit today. Uh, we don't live far from the beach. It's just a 45 minute trip. But we have several stops along the way to uh, stock up for the weekend. So between. Uh, doing some work and uh, being in transit and then the Braves uh, at four o'clock. It was just sort of squeezing the schedule, but here we are probably going to spend some time talking about the decommitment of Olive Branch offensive guard, Xavier Hill uh, decommitting from our list of commitments. Yeah. I mean, I guess what else would he decommit from? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) He, de- he decommitted from a chance to win the national championship because I don't know where I don't know where he's going, but it's probably he, he de- it's probably not Georgia or Clemson. So he decommitted from the First Baptist cakewalk this weekend. I, you know, um, but uh, it's like he knew we were going to talk offensive line recruiting today, and he was like, "Look, I'm, I want to yeah. give these two guys, these two champions of podcasting, something to discuss." And you know, you well, said, it. "Thanks, Xavier." Thank you, Xavier. You're always looking out. That's why we had him committed in the first place, because he's such a thoughtful kid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But you you, you and I were on a text chain, and you made the uh, observation 
that the good news is he decommits. And so that usually means we probably feel better about somebody else that's higher on our board. The bad news is, in your opinion alone, um, and my opinion too, actually, um, he was probably the best offensive lineman we had committed. Yeah, it's not a fantastic group per Alabama standards. Keep in mind, we're always, you know, everything's got to be put in context. It, it It was a really solid threesome of of sec level prospects that alabama liked we'd worked with all of them in the past and in, in some camp or another uh so i you know it's it's not like alabama was going gosh we sure took a bunch of crappy offensive linemen no it wasn't that it's just that based on what alabama's used to look last year they signed what you know evan neal the best offensive lineman in the country pierce quick was a five-star in some places a national top 50 player everywhere. Amari Kite, you know, was was, was highly recruited. Darren Dalcourt, look, look at how good he is. Alabama, a lot of people don't know this, and they wouldn't say it out loud a year ago, but basically Alabama took Darren Dalcourt over Clay Webb, who was who was ranked higher. But Alabama coaches, they they like Dalcourt. You, you can see why watching him play. So last year Alabama was thrilled with the group they had at that position. I think this year they'd take three guys, and, and let's just – you know, I, I don't think those recruiting rankings are gospel by any means. I think they're a guide more so than, than gospel. But of the three offensive linemen committed before today, Xavier Hill, Seth McLaughlin, and Damian George, you're talking about three guys basically all ranked in the 400s, you know, national top 500 players, not, not even national top 250, which is sort of the cutoff for, for four stars and three stars. So it wasn't a highly rated group. I would say, in my opinion, watching nothing but the high school tape, I think Hill was the best of the three. But I don't think Hill, put it this way, if, if you rank last year's group of offensive linemen and say Neal was the best and Quick is the second best and Dalcourt is the third best and Kite is the fourth best and Bowles is fifth, I think myself, just my opinion, Hill was the best of this three. And in my opinion, he's no better than Bowles. In other words, our, our fifth guy last year. That, that, that's, how, that's where I would have ranked Hill, about the same as Bowles, with George being a little less than that and McLaughlin being a little less than that. So it's not a stellar group. Now, that being said, there is no other position in recruiting where a blue-collar, hard worker that creates himself in the weight room becomes a thing, like the offensive line. It's not like running back where you have a bunch of two-stars that end up being great players. Now, running back, wide receiver, you have a pretty good idea what you're getting when you get them. Offensive line is totally different. You can get a lower-rated guy that ends up being a pretty big deal because a lot of offensive linemen are made in the weight room. But, But that all being said, uh, I wouldn't say that this offensive line haul w- w- was was great. Now, with Hill decommitting, what does that mean in terms of how are we going to replace him? It may be with someone not on the offensive line. It's not it's not a deep great year for for offensive linemen. So, I you know if, if he is replaced with an offensive lineman, you know I, I know my hope would be Marcus Dumerville, Marcus Dumerville from St. Thomas Aquinas in South Florida. We just signed two players out of St. Thomas Aquinas in the last class, Jordan Battle and Braylon Ingram are from 
uh, the same school, so they have a relationship with the kid. He is very highly recruited. He's a national top 100 player. He's one of the top two or three tackles in this class nationally. He would be a guy that would rank right alongside, let's say, very comparable to Pierce Quick a year ago in terms of where he's ranked. And we all we see already that Quick's a good player. So I hope it's Marcus Dumerville. However, I doubt that Marcus Dumerville has been leaning to LSU throughout most of recruiting, and he's a South Florida guy that has opportunities at Miami, Florida State, and Florida. So I don't think we can land Marcus Dumerville or that we win, but I'm sure he's at the top of the board and we're trying. Uh, secondly, it could be another offensive lineman. Alabama had several in camp, liked a few. Brady Ward from Mobile from St. Paul's is a good player. He is very almost certain. Certainly Brady Ward will end up somewhere in the SEC. I, I think that's almost a lock. Now, whether it's going to be at Alabama, I'm not sure. I think Arkansas uh, likes their position with Brady Ward. So it uh, could be someone like him or even not an offensive lineman. Alabama signed five a year ago. Personally, I like to bring in three per year, three or four. By over-signing last year, maybe it's a year you get away with only signing two. That's that's fine. So maybe it won't be replacing Xavier with an offensive lineman. There's a lot of big names out there that we'd like to have that aren't offensive linemen. So is Xavier Hill's decommitment good news for Alabama? My answer to that is yes, in the sense that Alabama is most likely going to replace him with a much higher-regarded kid. Is it bad news? You, you can say that it is in the sense he was probably the best of the three offensive linemen. So that's just that's just in a nutshell the way I look at it, as with most things. There's a couple of different ways to look at it. Nobody's right, nobody's wrong. But in the end, is Alabama likely to replace him with a higher-rated kid? Almost certainly. Yeah, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean that higher-rated kid will be an offensive lineman either. I mean, it could be right, – because right. I'm – you know, I'm looking at – I was looking at 24-7 while you were talking about the, um, you know, offensive linemen that are still left on the board or even some that, you know, you can still recruit them, whatever. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I think there's a couple of kids out there. Right. right. What, what names do you see ranked uh, pretty highly that, that, that might Alabama might be associated with? Is there, is there any names that jump out to you? Well, let me uh, let me go back here because one other thing I was looking at, I mean, this, you know, while you were talking, I was looking at some other stuff about offensive guard recruits, for example. Um, the highest rated one is committed to Oklahoma. He's nationally 61. Now, offensive guards typically aren't going to get right. the sexy rankings, but when the highest one in the country is 61st and the second highest is 93rd, a kid out of Arkansas, I mean, it kind of makes you think it's not a great year. And then if you go to tackles um, on 24-7, now this is the composite too. Paris Johnson Jr. out of Cincinnati, who he is nationally great number player. eight. He's going to Ohio State. Then Broderick Jones, who's also a five-star, is headed to Georgia. He's out of Georgia. And Tate Ratledge, another four-star out of Georgia, is 37th. But I think what we're used to seeing um, is a Cam Robinson or a Cyrus Quandro in these rankings. Um you know, for instance, I'll go right. back to 2019 just for giggles and see what I can find here. Um, if my computer – Evan Neal obviously was way up there. Yeah. Darnell Wright, uh, Wanya yep. Morris is on Tennessee. this list. Kenyon Green, Tennessee. Logan Brown going to – I mean, these are all five stars that I'm rattling off. 
Um, so yeah. last year was a better year for offense. Exactly. Uh, Clay Webb was a, a center ranked as a five-star. Charles Cross to Mississippi State is a five-star. Um, and then Harry Miller was a five-star, another five-star yeah. center. So the, the point is, this year it was as good as last year. No, it's not. And, and it's people that maybe don't follow the recruiting uh, like we do on, a, on an hour-by-hour basis, 365 days a year. It, it's a cyclical thing. Some, year, some years is good for this position. Some years it's good for another spot. I mean, it's a really cyclical thing. Most people might think that recruiting is static, you know, that every year there's 10 elite quarterbacks and 15 elite running backs. It's, it's not like that at all. It's, some years it's crazy how there can be an overflow. Like this year, this year, to me, the position stands out. It's not just that Alabama has done well there, but, but linebacker, crazy good. The country is just filled to the brim with elite linebacker prospects outside and inside. The state of Alabama is having a banner linebacker year. The South has a, is a banner crop of linebackers, nationally linebackers everywhere. So, But not a lot of big uglies out there. Very, very few. Um, yeah. We'll see. Um, you know, next, you know, if they, they signed five last year and end up only with two this year, I would say, you know, you need, to sign four, you need to sign four next year. I mean, that's kind of the way it works. And one of them next year is the third-ranked player in the country, and Tommy Brockermeyer, he's been to Alabama. Um, I, I know he's a Texas yeah, he legacy, it. and most people think you end up there, but you never know. Um, he likes Alabama. Amaria Sims like Alabama. out of Georgia. Likes Alabama. Who, who is that? Brockermeyer? Brockermeyer yeah. and Sims. Savion yep. Bird out of Texas, another five-star. So, I mean, next year looks to, like another five-star here is um, Nolan Rucci out of Pennsylvania. I mean, I, I'm seeing a lot of guys that are already five-stars that are um, offensive linemen. I mean, I, I have counted four so far, and then Landon – Tingwall? I don't know. I mean, you know, and again, Alabama's not necessarily in on all these guys, but it tells me that the year uh, may be better for it next year. So, I mean, I'm kind of okay if we only take a couple of offensive linemen. Exactly. Exactly. You don't have to hit a home run at every position every year. The only time you really need a home run is when something crazy happens on the roster and all of a sudden you need immediate help. Like, oh gosh, somehow we ended up in this position where we need a freshman to come in and play. Well, you better do well at that spot, and you probably need to oversign it because if you really need a freshman to come in and play, you probably need to sign two or three of them at that position because there's no guarantee that even a five-star is going to work out. So, so, uh, But Alabama's rarely in that position, certainly not under Nick. Do you see a stat this week? It's not really changing the subject, Luke, but do you see a stat this week that shows that in the starting lineup, Alabama is starting the most true freshman than any program yeah. in the country? And that's, that's shocking. It's good and it's bad. It's a little explainable in the sense that, well, Alabama recruits better than everybody else. No one brings in the talent like Alabama does, so it's not surprising in that regard. But it is surprising that there be that many holes in the lineup. Why are there that many holes? Well, two reasons. Number one, the number of three-and-done guys in attrition leaves Alabama in a spot, for instance, True freshman Christian Harris, he, he was starting because Mac Wilson went pro, you know, and, and, and that, that left an opportunity there. Uh, Shane Lee, and he's starting at inside linebacker because Dylan Moses got hurt. So 
there's and your answer as to why there's so many freshmen in the lineup, uh, you know, uh, and, and Josh McMillan. Correct. So, you know, injuries and I, I wouldn't use the word unexpected attrition, but I think we all agree that even though Mac Wilson is now a starting linebacker, he started the last two weeks for Cleveland, even though Mac is starting in the NFL and earning a six-figure salary, the kid would have really benefited by coming back. If he'd have come back and played as well as he's playing right now for Cleveland, Mac would have been a first-round pick next April. Oh, there's no doubt. And, you know, it's amazing how Nick Saban's been able to turn this thing around about it, it, historically, I think, with recruiting, if you had a freshman starting, other people shied away from going there. They're like, well, I'm not starting. Think anyway. And, and um, it is really, you know, his ability to play hard to get that has helped with recruiting. But, you know, Jimmy, you mentioned – you mentioned home runs just a minute ago. And, you know, if you wanted to see some home runs live and in person, I you do. know what you'd do? I do. What is that? What would you do? Vivid? Do you think they would? Vivid? Do you think they, they – Vivid seats. Vivid seats? Could they help me out? If Man. I needed to see home runs. Dang, I'm glad you what asked. If, what if – what if – could you get money off? Could you get, like could, – could you get a deal? Is there a deal that they offer? Because I've spent a lot of money on, you know, beer. If I told you you could get $50 off, how would that sound? Would sound like I'm drinking 50 more dollars worth of beer. Well, I'm going to give you $100 off, Jimmy. With, with Vivid Seats, you make a memory sure, that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. All you have to do is enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100 for the Major League Baseball playoffs Enter promo code POSTSEASON. That's amazing. I'm sitting, I'm, sta- I'm, I'm, I'm pacing up and down this outdoor mall sidewalk amazed. Well, we have one more spot, or actually I think two more sponsors to get to, and that's not a live read, thankfully. But uh, we will get to those sponsors, and we'll be right back. And we're back, uh, Jimmy. Good ads, good ads. They were, they were. I, I think your live reads are fantastic. But those were, those were solid. Those were solid advertisements from fantastic companies too. They're they're great people. I, they're good, solid people, and they're they're raising their children correctly. I feel I have confidence in our future because of these companies. I do too. I One do of too. them being hey, we're good. Hey, we're going to get a special hello here. How about this? Former Alabama linebacker Chris Edwards. Hey, Chris, I'm on, I'm on a live podcast about Alabama football. I said, we're about to have a special guest. How you doing? Chris Edwards, number 59, showing up down here. Number 59 uh, on in your program, number one in your heart. Chris Edwards, Jesslin here High School, and uh, I think he's going to give us a roll tie. This is Luke Robinson. Hey, Luke, how you doing? Hey, Chris, give us a big roll tide, buddy. Roll tide. Hey, man, I love it. Good to hear from you. I hope all is going well in your world. Hey, all is going well. The tide is undefeated. Bessemer City High School is undefeated. So, you know, I'm pretty happy right now. Yeah, y'all got a pretty good program going over there in Bessemer City right now. That's awesome. Hey, 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 we do. Uh, We got Andrew Zow. He's the head coach. Uh, Antonio Langham is the defensive back coach. But uh, one of the guys oh, wow. that, that um, a lot of people are not talking about 
Memphis, Granison Wagstaff, who was actually my um, my roommate from college. And we came in together, Alabama. He's doing a, a great job, you know, with those boys down there in Bessemer City. I think they're giving up. Oh, my God. You can't ask for a better lineup. You can't yes, ask sir. for a better staff yes, than that, Chris. Yes, sir. Yeah, they, they really turn those. They, they're changing the culture, you know, in Bessemer City. You know. Man, that's awesome. You guys have always had the athletes. If you get the leadership out of those guys, you, you're going to make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, they're they working hard. They're starting to buy in. You know, so who knows? You know, we cut down on the penalties. You know, they'll be a force to be reckoned with. Got a lot of speed. You know, Antonio Langham got a six-five safety. Wow. You know, so he, he's enjoying this cell. He's enjoying this Hey, Chris. Chris, make one promise to me. I do the radio broadcast for the AHSA radio network, and so I'll be calling the championship games this year in Jordan-Hare Stadium yes, later on in December. If Bessemer City makes it, you got to promise me you'll be there. I'll get you on air, okay? Hey, hey I'll be there. I'll be there. Every time I'm at home, I'm walking, I'm walking through the locker room, you know, on the field, you know, making sure those guys, you know, uh, stay focused, you know. It's been a long time. I played on the 1990 championship team. You know, we had the 315-pound offensive line. You know, the only team that had a, a bigger line than us was the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> and you know, I think that was true but, because that, that was – you were at Alabama the same time I was, and um, yes, I, I, I used to hang out with Jason Jack a lot back in the day. He was a, yes, sir. He was a fun guy. Yes, yes. All right, Chris, thank you so much, buddy. And hey, we can't wait to see you talk to you. you. Yes, sir, roll tie. Roll tie, buddy. Jimmy, did you did you see you, Chris? I'm back. I'm back. Boy, what a nice, what a nice, surprising special guest there. That's what what do you do? Just walk around and run into former Alabama greats? What's up with you? <laughs> this is just uh that's how I would uh, that's how I roll. Yeah, who would have thought? I mean, uh, Chris uh lives and works in Mobile and uh and I, I know Chris from there, but yeah, to be uh to be standing outside a uh, a store in Foley, Alabama, I didn't expect Chris to be rolling up on me here, but that's what happened. Mm. So, well, great player, wow. great, okay, great then. dude. He does a lot for he does a lot for Alabama. Great, great guy, and uh, really cool to hear about what's going on uh, back at Bessemer City. His sort of his his alma mater, Jess Lanier, became Bessemer City High School right. when they kind of they kind of came in together, kind of. I don't know. I don't know what they call it. Um, it's not a. Is it a metamorphosis? That's the right word. Uh, uh how about you... just a trend? Well, you know what? Transition. That word's kind of been taken by. Uh, yeah. By. Yeah. Bruce Jenner. I mean, Jenner. That's his word now. We don't even get to use it. I don't... <laughs> we yeah, we can't use that to describe anything else now. I'm, we we and have that's... to pay Bruce Jenner five dollars just for saying it. <laughs> I'll get the check ready. Uh, but that is still good. Ready. And, you know, yeah. Chris Edwards was 59, and he was on a – he that that squad, if I remember, that linebacking core, that was a great linebacking group we brought in that year. That was He was um, part of the uh, 94 uh, class that uh, Coach Stalling signed, like eight or nine linebackers in one group. And, that's right. Uh, and, Chris, and Chris was one of those guys, one of his teammates from that really good team that won the championship. You remember a big – at the time, we didn't have five stars at the time, but one of them would have been uh, Dwayne Harris. Oh, from, yeah. Uh, Jess Lanier, who signed with Nebraska yep. during uh, Nebraska's heyday, became one of the black shirts yep. uh, 
Chris was a linebacker on that team. So, man, that, that just one year team was pretty loaded. Uh, that's just absolutely disgusting. But, you know, he's right about – I mean, now they've got uh, Wagstaff and Langham and Zhao on the coaching staff. What a what a cool coaching staff. And what a what a joy for those kids to be coached by guys like that who've been through the battles and won championships. You know, everybody that's coaching them, all three of those guys, at least have an SEC championship ring. Um, and now, and if we, you're have, now we have another – we have another six-five safety to look up. Yeah, and if you're if you're Andrew Zhao, you know if anybody ever wants to be like, I don't know if I can make it. He's going to be like, you don't know if you can make it. I was coached under Mike Bygod Dubos. If I can handle that, you can handle it. <laughs> that's um, why they're undefeated. It's that's that why, speech. That speech is why they that, have a the game. same. He gives the same speech pregame every time. I was coached by Mike Dubos. I, I could beat this team out here by myself. Y'all don't know what I went through. All right, so give me, yep. really quickly, let's give some predictions on just a few games. I mean, Alabama's off week. Sure. If you, look, if you don't know it's Alabama's off week, what the hell are you doing listening to this podcast, first of all? Did you just stumble <laughs> upon us? Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm worried. I just tweeted uh, that we're going to we're gonna, Alabama will beat the bye week 77 to nothing, but I'm worried we can't stop the run. And you, you make a brilliant point. Um, so let's start with uh, let's start let's start a little bit off the rails here and go with Iowa Michigan. What do you think? I love that game. Well, Me too. this is the reason I love the game. First of all, I think Michigan's going to win. I, I think Michigan will bounce back and win the game. I I, I think just because Michigan and this is why Michigan has more good players. So I, I'm going to pick Michigan to win. Uh, a close, close game because I have a lot of respect for that Iowa program. What I love about this game, Luke, it's kind of an elimination game. If Michigan loses, Harbaugh is just bloated and belly up. He's bloated and belly up if Iowa wins this game. And if Michigan wins, that's the end of any talk that Iowa is a story in 2019. True. But, but I'm going to go the other way. The losers and bad I'm going to go with Iowa. Losers and bad Yeah. I I'm, like I'm going to go with Iowa because I'm going to say something I didn't think I'd ever say ever. I think Iowa is faster. I think they're faster <laughs> up with A.J. Epinesa. I think that's how you say his name. That guy's awesome. Epinesa. And he, he is a yeah, lock, and I a think lock first round pick. I mean, like top tenner. And I think that he is going to wreak havoc against an offensive line that looks very, very slow. Um, and, and against hmm. – here's, here's Kirk Ferentz's chance to earn his big, fat paycheck. I mean, and he gets a monster paycheck. And he just really – you know, he's, he's, he's come – one year he came close. You know, it was almost Iowa playing Alabama in the 2015 playoffs if they had beaten Michigan State. Um, but they didn't. Yep. And they would have gotten the same ass whooping Michigan State got, but still, um, you know, this is a chance for Iowa to do something good, and I think they'll go do it. Could be. Could be. It's going to be tight either way. All right, next game, let's go with, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of time left, and we may spend too much time on this, so let's go ahead and do it. Auburn and Florida. You know, Jimmy, I <laughs> – I've seen a lot of predictions that both ways with this thing. I found it so funny. I was listening to an Auburn sports show yesterday and um, they have a former Auburn player in Trevon Reed on the pod on their show. And, and he's talking about, you know, there are a lot of guys on our team that are from Florida that are going to be mad, you know, want to go down there and wreak havoc because 
they didn't, you know, they're not on Florida's team. And my thought was, you know, is it just me or has Auburn been the better program over the last five or six years? And so, if anything, I think it's the other way around. I know Kadarius Tony isn't playing, but the Kadarius Tonys, the, the Michael Pirons from the, and the, there's a linebacker from Hoover on that team. Those guys ought to be madder at Auburn that Auburn didn't recruit them. I don't, I don't think it works the other way. Yep. That being said, oh, I, 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 you're right. That being said, I'm picking Auburn to win this game, and I'm going to say comfortably. I just, I do not believe in this Florida team. I, I. I think Auburn is working up to some voodoo magic and it's going to make the Iron Bowl a miserable affair because, as I've always said, whenever the two teams are really good, Alabama fans dread the Iron Bowl and Auburn fans are beside themselves with giddiness. And um, I'm already dreading it. So I, I think it's going to be two undefeated teams working walking into Jordan-Hare, you know, and then, wow. I, you know, who knows? I agree that Auburn's going to win this game. I think Florida is a good team. I think they're a legitimate top 25 bunch, but they're a soft 5-0. and This is not a undefeated type Florida team. And where I don't believe in Florida is the offense and, and, and Kyle Trask. I don't, I don't believe in it. I don't believe, especially with KD Tony out, I don't think they have the playmakers. Auburn is very, very, very good on defense. I don't see how Florida scores enough points to win the game. Now, that said, speaking of good on defense, so is Florida. Florida's good on defense, and they're getting some of their star players back. That uh, that dude, uh, the defensive lineman, uh, Jabari Zaniga, is that yep. his name? <laughs> yep. That guy is really good. Then the transfer from Louisville, whew, he's a heck of a player. I can't believe that guy played for Louisville last year, and I didn't know who he was. <laughs> this guy is first-round good. Uh, or at least he's he's proving to be in a Florida. Fact, yeah, yeah. This this game just reeks of nineteen ninety four all over again. I mean, it just smells like it. It feels like it. It tastes like it. And therefore, it is it. I mean, it's it's just the way it is. Pringles is going to come out with a flavor called ninety four Auburn, Florida. <laughs> I think Auburn wins. Something it's going to taste like, like shit. <laughs> Auburn wins something like twenty to ten. Twenty to ten. Okay. Let's go. 20 okay, I'm to with you 10, on that. Auburn. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, I know All you're right. headed to the beach. I think Michigan State uh, will put a scare into Ohio State tomorrow night. Ohio State has heard too much all week about how they're the best team in the country, and they are playing a legit top ten defense. So. I don't think Michigan State has the horses to win. Heck, Michigan State may not even score. But I do think uh, Ohio State looks a little more mortal tomorrow night playing against a legitimate playoff-worthy defense. I'm going to go against – I'm actually going to be in Columbus, Ohio this weekend. I'm not going to the game. But wow, um, I disagree. I think Ohio State uh, – they, they what's the remember the movie with uh what Sherlock Holmes with with Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes and he got in, he was like in a fist fight with a yeah, guy. Yeah, I thought it was terrible. Yeah, he, yo, it, was it was bad. But he hits the guy's ears to disorient him. I think that's what Ohio State's going to do to Michigan State. <laughs> they may. Hey, and if Michigan State loses bad and flounders, uh, I think a surprise offseason move could be that Mark D'Antonio is uh is, is replaced. If if they have a miserable season, but I actually think this Michigan State team's pretty good. So 
we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I do certainly like Ohio State to win the game. I'm just not going to be surprised if that game's a little tight. We'll see. He, he could make his way to the Nick Saban home of wayward coaches right there in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Next year, Alabama could have That's defensive like- analysts Mark D'Antonio and Dan Quinn of the Atlanta Falcons. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> and and they and the guy who washes their cars will be Jeremy Pruitt because we will have lost Butch Jones. <laughs> yeah, former former Saban <laughs> defensive whizzes not having a great year uh, unless they're working for Nick Saban right now. That's right. Although Tosh Lupoy, Tosh Lupoy's Cleveland Browns are doing pretty good. Yeah, they're doing pretty good. I would like to get him back sometime. Well, Jimmy, we're about to run out of time here on the meter, so go enjoy the beach, my friend, and we will talk again Monday. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide, everybody. I don't know why I just repeated what you said. How about just Roll Tide, y'all?